0: we will only be successful in our studying of scripture with God's help. Right. Like it's, yeah. it's not up to us to apply a magic formula and yep. then we figure it out.
1: Our job is to show up and God's job is to transform. And that's that's what he says he'll do. That's the point of getting into the word is that it does a work on us that we don't completely understand. And mm-hmm. as long as we're showing up willingly and saying, God, I'm, I need help. I don't understand. That goes a long way towards the goal. Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast from Real FM. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac.
0: Hello and welcome to Season 6, Episode 7 of the Real Talk Podcast. Real Talk is a show where we get real about everything from current events to culture to faith. My name is Anson, hanging out with Kara and Isaac.
1: Hello. Hi.
0: I should probably say your names one at a time so you don't feel like you have to (laughs) step on each other to say your greetings. That is kind of confusing. (laughs) So sorry about that. That's okay. (laughs) We've got a lot of stuff happening on the show today. I have the struggle bus for today and I'm going to be sharing how sometimes I really struggle With shutting up. (laughs)
1: Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> no, oh, gosh, I tried so hard, hard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did okay there that lasted About five seconds yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so I'm going to be Talking about how uh, listening is hard And it's something that I'm trying to do better at it is hard. Kara has our good Vibes segment for this week and Kara Is sharing some uh, information with us About old Instagram posts yes I have no idea what that means okay but I'm very Intrigued okay mm. cool all right <laughs> Isaac is going on the record this week With real FM artist and rapper Stephen Malcolm
2: yes and this is one of those That I got very ready to girl out on and then i was like okay <laughs> no let's let's chill yeah i just see the <laughs> grin
0: on your face i know it was so even great. To Stephen Malcolm. so all of those segments coming up on the show today and then last but not least the conversation today we're talking about how to study The Bible. This is something that is obviously critically important for us in our lives as Christians. And it's something that we, I think, don't always talk about a lot. I think there's kind of some assumptions that Hmm. people just already know how to do this. Or what do you mean, how to study the Bible? Don't you just open it and start reading? (laughs) Uh, Or is there more to it than that? Is there a right way to study the Bible? Is there a wrong way to study the Bible? Is the way that I am doing it the wrong way? Uh Uh, There's a lot of questions around this. And I think one really important thing to note is that we all have a Bible study method, Mm. whether we realize it or not. And this is true for a lot of things in our life. Just because we haven't sat down to conscientiously think about something doesn't mean we're not doing it, right? And so many of us have a way to study the Bible, or maybe our way is not to do it at all. (laughs) But no matter our method, we have one. And so a big part, I think, of what we want to kind of get into this week is What are the methods that we have been using and can those be improved upon at all? It's not necessarily true that all methods are created equal. Hmm. So are there certain methods that we should or should not employ as we're studying and trying to grow in God's word? So that's what we're going to be talking about on the conversation this week. But first, it's Struggle Bus. It is my turn aboard the struggle bus this week and as I mentioned in the intro to the show I'm talking about how I have a really hard time shutting up <laughs> And I'm really glad that my daughters uh, aren't here right now because uh, they would interpret shutting up as a bad word. Sure, and I should yeah, say that, but I, I think I can use that. <laughs> NSFW. Uh, on, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think this podcast is uh, what, like TVY or whatever, yeah. like ages 14 and up. It's and that
2: and Spongebob Y7 rating. <laughs> like seven and up. Yeah. So we
0: can say shutting up on yeah. the that's fair. Real Talk podcast. <laughs> I have a hard time with this. I, okay. Well, let me just lay out the scenario. and I'm curious <laughs> if this is something that you guys have ever had happen to you. So I'm having a conversation with Somebody, as soon as the conversation is over and I walk away, my very first thought is, oh, I talk too much. Oh, <laughs> is this a yeah. thought that ever crosses your guys' minds?
1: Yeah, it happens. <laughs> I tend to overthink a lot of my conversations mm, after okay. I yeah, leave. Yeah. And I, I do the whole like, what was I even... What words are coming out of my mouth? Do these things even make sense? Right. Why do I do that?
2: It's not so much amount of content, but the content itself, <laughs> yeah. the quality of that content. Same. I was like, maybe that was an under 10 word interaction. Film. Boy, <laughs> did I just
0: biff that one. <laughs> That's so fair cool. too. Yeah. There definitely can be issues with either the quantity or the quality <laughs> of the content that we bring to a conversation. At the same time that I sometimes feel self-conscious about the amount or the quality of the content that I bring to a conversation, some of the times where I feel like the most affection or respect for another person that I've interacted with is when I walk away and I feel like, wow, they were a really good listener. Mm. And that's something that I love about other people that are really, really good at this. When I walk away from an interaction with someone and I go, they made me feel really good about that conversation. Mm. Maybe they asked me a number of questions about who I am and what I think, or they acted genuinely interested in my interests or Mm -hmm. whatever. But as I think about that more, I usually come to the conclusion that the people that I feel that way about, didn't usually say all that much. You know what I mean? Like, I go, wow, they're, they're a really smart person or a really (laughs) wise person. And they didn't even say anything. Yeah. They just asked questions. And this is something that maybe it's because I'm a a radio DJ and a communicator. Like I just word vomit all of the time. (laughs) I'm also like a verbal processor. So I I literally process Mm. things by speaking out loud. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just tend to say a lot of words like I'm doing right now. And then I get self-conscious about it and go, "Ah, am I saying too many words? I wish I could say less words. So I'm going to say more words about how I wish Uh, I could say say less less words. (laughs) I I don't know.
1: Yep. That's fair. I think maybe that is a job hazard of ours. Partly. Because even when we're doing the podcast and I'm saying words, I'm going like, What am I doing? Where are these coming from? But <laughs> right. I am more of an internal processor. So like I prefer to process them internally. But um, I have to sure. make myself say things out loud because if you don't say them out loud, then you don't get anywhere either. Yeah. yeah. But also I know I exactly what you're saying. Like some of the most brilliant, smart people I know who I have the most respect for are people who are just super good at asking questions, basically, and listening.
2: I'm a verbal processor. But for the most part, if someone wants to talk, and they clearly have a lot to hash out, I'm more than happy to kind of just sit and take that in. Because I'm like, that takes the pressure off of me, man. (laughs) I'll I'll sit here and ask questions. I'm cool with that. But yeah, I'm right there with you. I think I definitely dissect every conversation I've walked away from. And Mm -hmm. as a verbal processor, you'll get into that thing where, oh, no, the monkey's driving right now. And (laughs) I'm really bad. Like (laughs) what, What am I saying? But I think I would give you some credit. If someone's asking questions, I mean, take that as a compliment. They want to They want to know more. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And I think there, you're right. There's a time to speak up. There's a time mm-hmm. to, to talk or to share or to open up. All those can be really good things. And some people struggle with those. Not me, but, <laughs> but some people. Yeah. I'm definitely on the opposite end of the spectrum where I think there are times where I have to remember like, mm. hey, you don't necessarily need to be heard right now. Mm. And I think sometimes I have this compulsive need to be heard Mm. like i want to make sure people know where i stand on this or where where i'm coming from on this thing yeah we have a culture full of that frankly like we don't necessarily always need more of that Mm. yeah and so one thing that does help me is i can recognize this problem really quickly in other people much (laughs) much more quickly (laughs) than i recognize it in myself and Uh, so when i see someone else uh, maybe online or in person that is just talking and never listening i go i don't I don't like how that's coming across and Hmm. i don't i don't want to be that way in my personal interactions either and so if there's one thing i feel like during this time that i really want to work on it's saying all right how can i be a better listener Hmm. and what can i do to take those steps to make sure that i'm making people feel like i care about them and what they have to say and what they think as opposed to just wanting to make myself better so good
1: This week, I had a moment where I was laying in my hammock, actually outside, and for some reason, I was scrolling through my old personal Instagram feed. And I say old, guys, because I probably haven't posted for like three years. Oh so, wow. like, <laughs> I don't know why. I guess I forgot that I used to do this, and I was scrolling back through to look for something specific. And as I was scrolling, I was like, I used to actually do this like a fair amount, <laughs> uh-huh. and. I like what I was doing. Like I enjoyed looking back through this different lens and and Mm -hmm. picture of my life Mm -hmm. or these like little moments that I was capturing. And honestly, I think I was doing it more for me than for anybody else. It was almost like a visual journal with like these little excerpts of things I was thinking about or things that caught my eye or little things to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. And as I was doing that, I was like, why did I stop doing this? I really, really enjoy this. And and i think i just got a little bit cynical about social media yeah, yeah. and a little bit like oh it's all bad and i shouldn't spend time on that right. but looking back through this it genuinely like made me happy seeing mm. these sure. moments of gratitude or clarity or like i would put a little quote in it or it's a picture of my cat or these like happy moments or deep moments and i don't know it just it gave me some very Good vibes, which doesn't happen very often with social media Mm, and made me think maybe maybe it's time to pick this back up again, if nothing else than to document some of the good things in my life and some of the answered prayers or some of the thoughts that like I had completely forgotten about going back and looking at those can be really, really valuable.
0: I love that because honestly, that's one of my favorite things about social media, this like running diary or journal, if you will, of your own past And some of my favorite things are going back and looking at things that happened five, 10 years ago that I would have completely forgotten about. Exactly. For sure. But that were really cool moments. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite things is going back through my Google Photos library and looking at like videos of my kids when they were young or photos of them when they were younger.
1: So fun. Yeah.
0: It's just a blast. And my wife and I, the other night, just for hours, literally just sat there and and looked through these and watched them. And yeah, sometimes we get so caught up in the likes and the reactions to our posts and what other people think of them. And I think some of the biggest value comes from being able to go back and just look at those things yourself. It almost makes me wonder if I should just start like a private Instagram account I that has know. zero followers and just post on it for yeah. my own benefits. So I don't have to worry about what other people think. It's right. just for me or Like
1: something. no pressure at yeah. all. I, I know. Think that's cause, cool. Cause looking back through it. Yeah. Like very few people were liking or following sure. me, yeah. but I'm like, it doesn't matter it's because not, yeah, well, that's what not it was for, for you. Right. That's not the point. And I love the combination of like the visual reminders and the Bible talks about creating stones of remembrance, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. using physical objects or things to, create these memorials and remind you of things God has done in your life. And in a weird way, I think social media can be used for that. Yeah. So it's something I'm considering.
2: Your profile goes back to 2011. That's
1: crazy. Yeah. And then I stopped posting in what, like 2017 or something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think the only thing that I struggle with is I try to tell myself things like, oh, this is just for me or whatever. But then I still kind of care whether anyone else takes any notice or what other people think. That's why I think in some ways, some of these like more private yeah. avenues for doing this, like my Google Photos album, where right. lots of pictures and videos that never get posted anywhere. Yeah. But they're all saved for kind of me to go back yeah. to. Yep. Or even my wife and I have this um, little blog that we started years ago. Yeah. It's called Context Deficit. And it's just <laughs> things that we hear each <laughs> other say that make no sense without context. Yes. And whenever we hear one, we just would post it on this blog. <laughs> we never told many people about it. It wasn't for like yeah. public consumption. It's just for our own... Yeah, fun, I guess. And so <laughs> every 2 years or so we remember it and yeah. then pull it back up and read it and laugh out loud all over That's awesome. really fun. It's
3: We are slightly crazy. We are We go and go till the end, but we do not though. Joe told me step, I'm like let Hype all over there. All
2: right, this is FM on the record with Stephen Malcolm. Yo. Thanks for having on. Check 1 2. No problem,
3: bro. Thanks for having me. my guy, how you
2: doing? Doing good, doing good.
3: Staying corona free. You know we're getting out. It's sunny over here, quarantine, you know, we're breaking rules a little bit, but hey, we gotta stay sane, you know?
2: I noticed on your newest video that you got on your YouTube, Stone Cold, this released uh, pretty recently, and I would say like within sort of the quarantine timeline that we're talking about, did that get filmed kind of in the quarantine process, or was that kind of in your back pocket for a while?
3: Yeah, man, it, it got recorded probably a week before it came out, you know what I'm saying? Nobody was was outside, so... Yeah, man. It took a little bit talking the videographer into doing it. I know his wife was a little, little hesitant, but we made it happen.
2: That's awesome. It's really cool. I mean, like it's, uh, it definitely had that Stone Cold stunner there at the end. I mean, obviously, the track is called Stone Cold. Was there some Steve Austin influence yeah. behind the track or just kind of influenced the vibe behind it? What was going on there?
3: Man, that record, one of my friends, shout out to Jude. He's, he's a producer of mine. He, he brought the track to me. He had the name ready, Stone Cold. All he needed was a verse. And me, like, I grew up on wrestling. You know what I mean? The the golden era of The Rock, Stone Cold, The Undertaker. So I had to, you know, I had to slide that in there.
2: (laughs) Right on. What Up RG came through last year and he was rocking a Sting, like an OG, like throwback Sting shirt. It was incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir, man. Yeah. Kind of like wondering what some of your bigger influences inside the hip-hop world have been. You've done, I mean, on your YouTube channel alone, you've got remixes from stuff like Logic and some other artists that are great. Some contemporary hip-hop going on there with your influences. Just kind of where are you pulling everything from right now?
3: Yeah. I pull a lot from, honestly, like movies. I pull a lot from movies and then like the musical influences. Logic is one of them. I love Travis Scott. Bob Marley is a huge one that influences the reggae sound. Right now, I've been listening to a lot of Old Lecrae, man. That's kind of been ramping me up a little bit.
2: Old Lecrae, like which which album specifically are you listening to?
3: Man, uh, Church Clothes 1 and Gravity.
2: Wow, all right. So you mentioned movies. That's kind of cool to know that you're getting inspiration from movies.
3: Yeah, a lot of my like bars and my lyrics, uh, I reference movies as metaphors. So yeah, bro, I, like I'm a movie head.
2: That's awesome. No
3: movie theaters right now are killing me, bro.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. What, um, so you've been obviously quarantined at home just like the rest of us. Has it just been like a big movie watching process? Have you kind of thrown yourself into your work with music? Or how's that balance working for you right now as an artist?
3: Honestly, it's a healthy balance of the two. <laughs> as weird as that may sound like, it's, it's a balance of being able to be home, and record and make music and be in my element. Like, this is the first time I'm able to, like, record verses for all of my homies back here at home. You know what I mean? Like, I'm able to kick it with my wife. Like, I remember being on tour buses. Like, man, I can't wait to go home and do nothing. And now I'm able to do just that. You know what I mean? So it's like it's a bittersweet thing. But also at the same time, I'm going crazy. Like, I literally have to wake up some mornings and put clothes on and just drive somewhere to make sure, like, just to... You know, so my mental isn't like, oh, you're getting up for no reason just to stare at four walls. Today. I don't like that. So. Yeah. so I can help you balance it too. I
2: love that. Well, I mean, I hit you up about this. We have several songs that we play of yours on Real FM, but one of them specifically that I think I wanted to talk to you about, mostly because in the video you have people flexing with a fanbone. You're on a fanboat in this video uh, for Fuego. Tell me a little bit about that and just kind of like the creative process <laughs> behind that, the writing. I, I mean, I, I pulled it up again just to watch it and I'd forgotten that there's a freaking fanboat in this oh, video. Fan <laughs> it's hey, so i'm gonna cool.
3: be honest like i was slightly scared like i don't like like open water you know what i mean <laughs> and that was my first time with a fan boat and you know it's kind of small but it, it was fun though no so the idea for that video came from the movie desperado okay you know the the, the 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 guy and the girl you know they're they're you know out and you know craziness is going on it's kind of like a bonnie and clyde type of storyline yeah um and so that's how that came about i literally told the director uh sam brave amazing director uh in miami yo i want to do a video it's called fuego i remember antonio walking away when the building went on fire with the guitar case with the lady yeah yeah Yeah. so yeah bro that's that's where the foundation came from for fuego man it's the movie desperado
2: i love (laughs) it well, it's kind of got that, that's where that makes sense. That Latin influence behind it. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yes. Yep. It all um, makes
2: sense. You got me rewatching Desperado this afternoon, man. That's going to be on my movie yeah, list today.
3: <laughs>
2: right. So before I let you hop off here, man, you're someone that's navigating the hip hop world as a believer. And if I've done my homework right, you're actually involved in a mission field up in Michigan, right? Kind of got an outreach program up there. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to know just how you've managed to do that, how you've managed to sort of navigate the hip hop space, which there's a lot of materialism in it. There's a lot of things that are kind of counter to the lifestyle that we're supposed to lead as followers of Jesus. So what has been kind of the hard and maybe surprisingly easy and good parts of that?
3: Man, I'll start with the hard part. The hard part honestly is staying grounded in this, bro. Like me personally, I just recently like been battling, you know, being jaded by some of the stuff that is either gone on in the Christian industry or just in the Christian culture, period. Like, you know, you hit that, that point where it's just like, this really ain't what's up, this really ain't of Jesus. And, you know, I'd rather take my my, my talent, you know, where there's real authenticity that's going on. But the Lord really had to humble me, bro. And I had to humble myself and really remember because I'm the type of guy where I I can't stand when people base their salvation on broken, sinful people. Oh, he did this to me, so I'm not a Christian anymore. He did this to me, so I'm not going to go to church anymore. Screw the Lord. Like, that makes no sense. And so with me, it's just like the Lord, bro, at the end of the day, I started doing music solely because I gave my life to Jesus and wanted to serve these people at this hip-hop church. I wanted to serve. The, the bride of Christ with my gift. And he made a way for that. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I'm letting these people, these broken humans, dictate what I'm doing with the gift that God has given me, man. And, bro, it, it took a lot of depression. It took a lot of anxiety, but the Lord brought me through it, bro. And so that's like the biggest challenge, man, is, is being jaded by things that you see behind the curtain. And it's just like, man, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm just going to go to the other side. Maybe the grass is greener over there. But the truth is just, where does the Lord have me? I had to tap back into where does God have me, not where do I want to be. Yeah, man. for so, sure. Yeah, man. And then the, the good part, bro, like, is, is the fruit, is the reward. Like, bro, I'm impacting people like here back home. And this mission field, which is a super lit name, but I need to drop that in a song. Hometown is the mission field. But like, I have a lot of brothers here. You know what I mean? I have a lot of brothers here and, and my pastors here. And bro, they keep me on check, bro. Like I get phone calls. Like I talk to my pastor all the time. I talk to my brothers. I spend time with my brothers from church all the time, just mm. to like to stay in that mode of like always, you know, trying to sharpen iron when I can, where I can. Mm you know, being on top of my game for my brothers and, you know, still just trying to be that heavy influence because we impact, bro. And I think that's the biggest, like, plus as a Christian artist is I'm not just going to make a record that chicks are going to shake their booty to in a strip club right? and then forgotten about in a year. Like, I'm going right. to, like, even louder, people are going to listen to even louder 10 years from now and could give their life to Jesus. Yeah. And that's lit. That's lit to me, so.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. I, I never thought I would hear, I'm going to make something that chicks aren't going to shake their booty to in, in, in <laughs> a in testimony moving forward. Hey, I love it rude. so that's much.
3: That's a thing, man. It's yeah. a thing, man.
2: And I think that's the coolest thing You you touched on can jade you to watch people who have like this phobia of authenticity when I think as Christians, we should be the first people to be the most authentic real i mean like that's kind of the premise that real fm is based on like having real hard discussions with people and and i totally agree with you man like that we should have that freedom and it looks like you're totally in with that freedom so i appreciate that yeah no doubt. Bro. you mentioned that you're recording a bunch of tracks for your friends and you've got a ton of stuff that it sounds like you're using this time to work on do you have anything you want to like plug or maybe let us know that's coming down the line we can be looking for
3: yeah man so just like the video stone cold man i feel like i'm late to letting my fans see my dancing abilities. Okay. And so, yeah, bro, I'm literally going to start dropping a bunch of dance videos, bro. I'm not charging anything. Like, these are tracks I'm just going to throw out for free on my SoundCloud, and people can enjoy some ill videos. We might do some TikTok challenges. Yeah. Just trying to, you know, give free stuff to the people right now and keep them entertained, man. So I'm definitely going to be dropping more dance videos coming up.
2: I love it, man. That's awesome. There needs to be like one wrestling move at the end of every video or something like that, like work it in.
3: (laughs) Good idea, man. I like that.
0: It's time now for the conversation. And on the show this week, we're talking about how to study the Bible. And so I want to set a few expectations right here <laughs> off the top. I guess this is more maybe a few disclaimers. And I know we do this a lot in a lot of our shows where we mention, hey, by the way, we're not actually experts in the subject matter we're talking about. Uh, right? Yeah, that definitely applies here. There are lots of great books and resources that you can go find for how to study the Bible and mm-hmm. uh, where you're going to learn a lot. W- what we really want to talk about today is just from the perspective of three regular Christian People trying to do life the best that they can and right. not always living up to the expectations we have for ourselves.
4: Uh-huh.
0: How do we approach studying the Bible? And part of that means how do we fail at it? Yeah. yeah. Part of that means how do we occasionally, hopefully, succeed at it <laughs> every once in a while? Every once in a while. <laughs> and everything in between. So that's kind of the approach that we're taking is just sharing from our own experiences. What has worked for us? What have been challenges for us that we've had to overcome? Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you might be able to pick up on from our experiences, our shared experiences to help you as you try to work on this area of your life? Mm -hmm. And one other thing I think that we should point out, we're really talking about this concept of how to study the Bible as it relates to people who are Christians. I think there's lots of good reasons to study the Bible, no matter who you are whether you believe in Jesus or God or that the Bible's true or not at all I think there's reasons to read this book and mm-hmm. find out some of those things for yourself yeah but we're really in the context of this conversation talking about for those of us who do believe and who are Christians why is studying the Bible important and if we accept that it is how do we go about doing that? Yeah. So the first question, therefore, is why should we study the Bible? And we're not going to spend a ton of time on this area. We're going to get to the how for the most part. But I do think it's important to stop here just for a second and acknowledge that how to study the Bible is not really an important question to answer unless we believe that studying the Bible is actually important. Which I think all of us around this table would agree at some level that yes, it is It is something that's important. If we believe that the Bible is God's word, that's a pretty big claim Mm. that this is the word of God. If we have access to the written word of God. (laughs) If we truly believe that that's what it is, we should probably pay attention to the thing and read it. Mm -hmm. For
2: those of you that grew up in the church like I did, imagine that as if you're hearing that for the very first time (laughs) in your entire life. Where, All right, I got my phone, keys, wallet, word of God. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Creator of the universe, text laid out for me to study and shape my life with. That's cool. Okay, cool. cool. cool, Got it. I think
0: sometimes we kind of wallpaper (laughs) over some of those phrases that we've heard for forever, like the word of God. Right? It's when a really when, good point. When you actually stop to think about the implications right. of that you're like wait okay you're telling me i could go read all these books from all these theologians or human experts <laughs> on a bunch of different subject matter or i could read the literal actual <laughs> word of the creator of the universe
1: yeah, yeah. and
0: i'm not going to spend a bunch of time doing that like it's just an indictment i think on all of us yeah that sometimes we kind of get away from what really matters because mm. we just i think we lose perspective and some of that comes out of just An over familiarity almost Mm. with some of these phrases and some of these things in the Christian life. That's very true. So, why should we study the Bible? Well, I think number one, if again, we believe it's the Word of God, to learn who God is, to get to know Him better, to recognize Mm. what His voice sounds like. Yeah. We we can do that from reading His written Word. I think that could help us to hear God's voice, perhaps, or recognize God's voice when He's speaking to us in other ways as well. Mm. A second one, to see and follow Jesus. We believe jesus is the the king of the universe that he was god as man on earth the bible tells his story it's the good news it's the gospel yeah and this is the primary way that we get to know who jesus was we can read his very words recorded for us yeah and again it's one of those things where i think we see the red letters in the bible and we kind of gloss over the Mm. the depth and the meaning of that yeah but that's a big deal that we can literally Mm. read the words of Jesus while he was on earth. Yeah. Number three, to gain wisdom, to learn right ways of thinking. There's a lot of wisdom in scripture, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. understanding right ways of thinking is a, a big benefit to reading scripture. But I think it's important to note that reading scripture is not just about gaining insight or knowledge. Right. Yeah. There's also this kind of application portion of it, which we'll get to more later. Mm. But Application basically means it should change the way that we act. Mm. Right. So, reading scripture, and this is a tough one for me, is not just about, oh, reading these things to like develop my mind and my way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also to change the way that I interact with God and the way that I interact with other people around me. Yeah. At sure. least that's what it should do. Yeah. It doesn't always play out that way. Right. right? right. But that's the way that it should work.
1: That's the idea. Mm.
0: Those are just a few bullet points about why we should study the Bible. Moving on to the bigger question, then, if we accept that we should, how do we do it? And that's a, that feels like a much larger question, right? A well, little
2: bit. It'd you be nice it with you your just... eyes,
0: dummy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. In my view, we all have methods for studying the Bible, sure. whether we realize it or not. Yeah. So when we read the Bible or when we dive into it or when we talk about it with our friends, we're actually using methods of studying yeah. God's word We just may not have formalized those methods. Mm -hmm. So some of these methods are very informal. So for example, maybe you just open the Bible to a random page and you start reading. Yeah, That's one method that you could use. Maybe you'd pick up a passage with some friends and you're discussing it with others. Having conversations with others about scripture is a method of studying the Bible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Praying to God for him to bring a passage to your mind and then reading it and meditating on it. That's a method for studying the Bible. So a lot of these things we don't even really do. I think sometimes we could think how to study the Bible is like this. Okay, I'm going to sit down at my desk with my... My yeah. Bible highlighter. here and my highlighter. <laughs> very like my, Instagram
2: stage right, photo of the My, my quill and ink yes. Like, yes. <laughs> and
0: yes. parchment paper to yeah. write down my, you My know,
1: very large commentary. My scientific photo findings. Of
0: John Piper on the wall <laughs> as you open up your exactly. tome. Right. We, we think about it in this like very formal way. Yeah. Yes. That's not always the case. In fact, I would even venture to say probably most of the time that's not the case. Right. Yes. But there are some very intentional formal ways that we can do this as well. And we even just mentioned in, in joking a few of them, right? Having a, having a commentary that <laughs> yeah. you're reading along with it. There's lots of online resources that we can use to help yep. us study topical studies. Maybe we pick a topic like, uh, I want to know more about God's love, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, use some sort of resource to help me find every verse I can about God's love yes. and figure out what that looks like. Or maybe it's, yeah, consulting experts, reading books that people have written on different topics or on different verses or mm. even books of the Bible. So I'm kind of curious. For you guys, I want to know, what is your go-to method or methods that you use when it comes to studying the Bible, either formally or informally or both? And then what do you think are some of the pros and cons to the approach that you typically
2: use? We kind of talked on it, like I'm a verbal processor and discussion-based learner. So Mm -hmm. part of the class where I was always, all right, now let's turn and talk about it. I was always like,
4: yes, let's go. (laughs) Let's have a discussion. Group (laughs) discussion.
2: definitely me. Yeah. And I think that anytime I can find a verse in the Bible to go over with people, whether it's in the context of a study group or it's just meeting someone for coffee and a verse comes up that we both don't understand at all and we then kind of approach it, that always is so much fun to me. Even Mm -hmm. if I walk away not necessarily agreeing with that person on where we land, on how that's applied or interpreted or anything, it was always nice to bounce ideas off of each other, especially fellow believers who we know that we're both kind of like good actors on Mm. this. You know, it's not, I'm not trying to get you here. I mean, it's just, we're trying to hash this out because I think that we all are children of God and we can all sort of gain different insight from one another off Mm. of the same verse. And it's so wild how I can have one take on something and then someone else can just come completely out of left field and make me re-examine this whole thing I've known my entire life.
0: And for verbal Mm. processors, that's a a really big deal because part of the way that you learn and think about things in new ways yourself is by hearing other people talk about them, or yeah. the saying things out loud yourself. So that that back and forth can yeah. really help you grow and evolve in your ways of thinking about
2: something. My favorite thing that other verbal processors will do, and Anthony, you have done this before, and, it, <laughs> and I love it because I'm like, oh, people could take this the wrong way, but I'm over here like, oh, yes, give me. It's where it starts with, um, okay, I don't disagree with you, but, and then I'm like, give me another opinion. Let's hear it. Yes. Yeah, but the reverse of that is sometimes you can get way thrown off, and mm. then just kind of tailspin if you hear something that's I mean there's objective truth <laughs> people can be incorrect about things and I mm-hmm. think that a lot of the times verbal processors and reading in a big group like that if that's your only context that you get the Bible you can kind of associate it with arguments after Ooh. a while the, the debating comes in and mm-hmm. I think there's a big difference between verbally processing and debating mm-hmm. I am not a debater no, <laughs> like oh, when yeah. it gets up to the point of like well okay let's go I'm like mm-mm, mm-mm, nope no <laughs> <laughs> but I think like the debate side of that for me, at least can be kind of the relationship breaker.
0: Makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, if I could just be on the struggle bus again uh, <laughs> for this, even though it's not the struggle bus time, I really struggle with the academic side of this. Like I, let me say I can do it. I know how to do it. Mm-hmm. My dad actually was a seminary guy. And so learned about this growing up, but I went through a season after college was in kind of a difficult church environment. And it kind of threw off my perspective of Bible study and approaching the Bible and made it a little bit almost unapproachable. Mm. (laughs) And so kind of the academic method of going at it was really difficult for me. And so I my preferred method that I've kind of fallen into, I would say is Number one, going back to the familiar passages over and over again, which for me is most of the time, like Psalms,
4: Mm, (laughs) a lot
1: of the time, and maybe some of the epistles as well. Another big one for me is just a lot of prayer, a lot of like prayer journaling and asking Mm. God to like bring specific um, passages to my mind. And then I would say the other one would be consulting experts. But when I say experts, not so much commentators, but people like telling their story. Authors
0: and bloggers. Uh, yeah, books. And, like yeah. I have
1: so many books. It's yeah. ridiculous. So other books and processing that. So in a way, it's kind of like what you're talking about, Isaac. It's it's like a group of people getting together and processing, but it's in book form yeah, <laughs> instead sure. of in person sure. form. So those are some of my go-to uh, avenues, I would say.
0: Yeah. What would you say are some of the pros and cons yeah. of some of those approaches?
1: It has been helpful for me to understand certain things and to process, kind of on an emotional level, some of those things that I was struggling with just looking at it academically. So there's been some healing in that for me. I mm. think it's been a very personal process with God. But on the other hand, I've lost some of those tools that academically can be helpful to understand the whole picture of God's story and to dig a little bit deeper. And so I think I get stuck a little bit in yeah. certain places and not always digging a little deeper and mm. looking for some of those fresh insights. I fall into the, kind of the same places over and over again, yeah. which probably limits the transformation that can happen with God's word if I'm just going back to the same places over and over.
0: Yeah, I definitely struggle with that, too. Probably most people would say that there are certain passages or books of the Bible that we probably spend a lot more time Mm -hmm. reading or thinking about than others. And I don't know that that's necessarily bad in and of itself. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that we have to spend an exactly equal amount of time with every verse or chapter or book in the bible yeah but i do think all of the bible is important or yeah. we probably wouldn't have it right so yeah. we probably do need to spend some time in some of those areas and that's definitely a struggle for me there are certain books that are either just hard to read because they're dense or yeah. because they're hard to understand yeah or frankly because some of them aren't as exciting <laughs> yeah. as others or seem a little more boring <laughs> or or maybe there's even things that like actively bother us yeah. about certain yeah. passages of scripture where we go like i that I don't know how to rectify that with what I feel like yep. this ought to be saying versus what it actually says. Job, so I'm just going <laughs> to <Job, laughs> so I'm just going to avoid that, right? Yeah. Uh, lately I've been reading, uh, listening, I've been listening to a podcast that basically just reads the Bible uh, to Deuteronomy and there are a number mm. of verses in Deuteronomy where I go like, <laughs> "Oh, hmm, that's interesting." Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't listen to or read yeah. Deuteronomy as much as other books and there's yeah. a reason for that. So that's definitely a struggle for me as well. And I think there's kind of a recurring theme that you both have mentioned and that I would totally agree with. I tend to listen to a lot of outside opinions as well. And I I feel like maybe each of the three of us are doing that in slightly different ways. Yeah. Mm. But a lot of our reliance seems to be on people outside of the source scripture itself, (laughs) right? So either it's processing with other people, or maybe it's reading books that people have written. For me, if I get to a passage where I'm just like, yeah, I'm reading this uh, parable from Jesus and I just don't have any idea what he's saying. I'm going to go grab this commentary over here from Mr. Really Smart Theologian (laughs) guy. And I'm going to read his take on it and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Now I understand it.
4: Yes. And
0: that's how I do it a lot. And sometimes I spend more time actually reading like those commentaries than I do the actual like source that Ooh. those commentaries are commentating on. And Ouch. I just, I think that that's something that probably a lot of us struggle with. Maybe there's slightly different permutations of it. Yep. But I think a lot of us are guilty of spending a lot more time processing what scripture says through the lenses of other people Ooh, than yes. actually reading scripture directly for ourselves. And so I want to talk about that just for a moment because I am not saying that any of what we've described so far, reading commentaries, reading books, verbally processing with others none of those are bad things at all and in fact we've already described how some of those can be extremely helpful yeah but when that's All that we're doing, or when it's the even the majority of what we're doing, Mm -hmm. uh, especially if it's a big majority of the time that we're spending doing that, yeah, I at least feel a little bit of conviction in that area. Let's go back to what we talked about at the top of the show. If this is the word of God, right? Yeah. Why am I spending so much more time reading about other people's interpretation of it than going to it directly? Yeah. Well, probably because it's hard to understand. Yeah, (laughs) it's intimidating. Yeah, it's intimidating. It's hard to understand. It's dense. There are things about the context of when it was written and to whom it was written that we don't always know at least not intrinsically unless we study it what and I so w- we just kind of go eh, this would be a lot easier if i could just read what some other really smart person <laughs> thinks about That's this exactly it I, yeah. don't, I don't have the knowledge or education to know this
2: stuff it's like, kind uh, of a diffusion of responsibility when you can say mm-hmm. like okay Ooh. i don't get that i'm just gonna toss this to yeah. over <laughs> to <laughs> here, john. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, john Like you tag in your wrestling buddy and they yeah. come in yeah. and it's like Oh, I've done all of the work and you just take them on the authority of it. And I mean, hey, that's great. That's fine. But when it becomes like the supplement for our personal relationship, that kind of feels like (laughs) i <laughs> know yeah. i'm like I'm, I'm clenching as i'm saying Connection. this because i'm like
0: isaac like, you do this <laughs> right talking to me and like i said i think just based on what we've all already shared this is something that we all do yeah. in, in many different ways and yeah. so we can talk about all sorts of different methods and the pros and cons of those methods and a lot of them have value right i, I yeah. truly believe that this is not just like a Here's the prescription for how to read the Bible, or here's the like the five step process or three step process that you follow all the time and you only do it this way and you never do it any right. other way. There have been times where I've opened the Bible to a random page and read exactly what I needed to read. Yeah. And I really don't believe that was just luck, sure, right? No. Or dumb sure. luck. But I also don't think that's probably the right way to read the Bible every single time. right? <laughs> yeah. And so I'm not saying that any of these specific methods are bad or useless, mm. but I do think that there are some methods that maybe we don't go to as much as others that we could benefit from utilizing a little bit more. Yeah. And so one method that I want to kind of key in on for today is largely based on what we've just talked about, which is the fact that we struggle With reading God's word directly, it's a lot easier to go to other sources because it's real intimidating, frankly, to try to figure it out on our own. Again, word of God. We need to have some tools in our tool belt to help us figure out how to do this. I was reading about uh, the difference, and this is going to get real academic real quickly, and I'm going to (laughs) try not to make it way out there. Where did this podium come from? (laughs) I was reading this week about the difference between deductive and inductive methods or reasoning. So let me just break down. Real quickly what that means because I kind of thought I knew what it meant, but I had to read the definitions of each word like seven times before I really got it. <laughs> you know how, you know how you do, right? Yeah. So deductive reasoning starts with a statement or a hypothesis that then is tested. To see if it's true through observation, right? Mm -hmm. So we start out with a hypothesis, which is just like an idea, right? Something that we think might be true. Mm -hmm. And then we test to see if that's true through observation. How this could apply to studying the Bible might be God is love, Mm -hmm. right? That is Mm -hmm. a statement or a hypothesis that could be true. So then I'm going to look at all of the Bible verses I can find about love. Yep. and god mm. to try to see if that's actually true through observation yeah, yeah. does scripture really say god is love yeah mm-hmm. does it say anything that might contradict the statement god is love yeah. right and i'm going to try to figure that it's out It's very from scientific method right it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> top down right yeah. i start with this big idea and then i prove that idea through testing yeah which in this case is reading or observation the inductive method is kind of the opposite basically you start with observations instead And then you use those observations to generate the theory, right? So I might open a passage of scripture and I'm going to read everything in that passage. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to come to some conclusions based on whatever was said in that passage. So if I'm reading a passage where the writer says God is love, I could come to the conclusion that God is love based on what I read. Right. So it's, it's... Starting with observations, moving to a conclusion, hmm. as opposed to starting with the conclusion and moving to observations. Sure. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. With me so far. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so both of these have value. There is definitely a time for us to use a deductive method. Maybe we want to really try to understand what the Bible has to say about a certain topic. Sure. There's a lot of value in saying, okay, I'm going to go find every verse I can about X topic yeah. and kind of figure out what it says on that topic. But. There are a few key dangers with deductive reasoning. It has one major weakness in particular. And that is that all it takes is one false premise and our conclusion is no longer accurate. Mm -hmm. Right. So a good example of it, like an unassailable deductive argument is every person alive was born from a woman. Therefore, Anson was born from a woman. Mm. Right. Anson was born from a woman is completely and 100 percent reliably true right. if the premise the part that came first every person alive was born from a woman is true right mm-hmm. as long as the premise holds up the conclusion holds up hmm. the unfortunate thing is that in real life or when reading scripture there are always these like really clear premises that we can hang our hat on right because a lot of times our premises are not a hundred percent verifiable they're either assumed we're making some assumptions about. I think this is probably true right. all of the time, mm-hmm. even if I don't know for sure. Or maybe we're even dealing in theoreticals, like what if right. this was true? Oh, then this would be true. Right. But we can't guarantee that that thing's always true. Yeah. And so, when misused, deductive Bible study can facilitate the drawing of a conclusion based on assumptions rather than observations. Hmm. Instead of drawing a conclusion based on something we observed, we're drawing a conclusion based on what we're assuming we right. would observe. Or does, yeah. does that make sense?
1: It does. This is kind of a bunny trail, but hang with me for a second. Yeah. It makes me think of say you're in an argument with a spouse or, or a, a friend. There's a difference between listening to what they're saying and you make an assumption mm-hmm. about what they're saying. And you cool. you assume you know what they're thinking and therefore you respond according to that. And it's and it's probably not what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this is like a classic relationship mistake, yes. right? That you learn about in counseling. And what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to stop, actually listen and observe what they're saying. Ask questions to make sure you're understanding what they're actually saying instead of assuming that you know what they're saying. And then after you observe, you interpret that message and then you respond. Yes. Right.
0: Perfect example. Yeah. Thank so, you for translating that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But sometimes we don't even realize we're doing. Right. We think that our assumption yeah, is for sure. an we observation. We almost
1: never realize we're doing right. it. Right. That's what yeah. makes
0: it an assumption, right? <laughs> yeah. is that we're, we're, we're assuming that that's what we observed yeah. when it's not actually what we observed. Yes. Another way that this plays out is in biblical and theological terms, what we call Eisegesis, which is a really fancy word for basically saying reading one's own biases or ideas into something. Right. So when we read something, we, instead of just reading it for exactly what it says without introducing any of our own kind of lenses, we're kind of reading our own thoughts and ideas into the text. Yeah. yeah, This is a danger that is very real and present because most of the time we don't actually realize that we're doing it. Right. right. I think
2: like it was Thomas Jefferson that like sat down and physically edited his Bible. That's not what we do. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Like he hasn't edited New Testament. It's Oh, wild. wow. <laughs> no, that's not what we do. We sit down probably with the best of intentions right. and we're like, well, God is love. So <laughs>
4: like you just go,
2: and there's so no don't yeah, like that's right. Like the Old Testament is very hard for me. I don't yeah. like it. It's yeah. The number one thing that I personally have to watch out for is I Jesus big time. Like yeah. that's It yeah. even it has Jesus in it. You would think it's not scary, <laughs> but it's the worst thing you can do. Because, yeah. like, as a believer, if I'm not being challenged, that's kind of the red flag for me. I'm like, mm. okay, well. I am having too good of a time right now. Why is this happening? like that? <laughs> yeah. That's almost
0: like my big moment where I have to check myself. Man. Now, to be clear, this is, like I said, a method that has its benefits. There are ways that sure. this could be a very good way of studying scripture. But I think it's a way that we kind of tend to default to more than the other one, which is mm-hmm. why I want to focus on the second one mm-hmm. in the remainder of our time on the podcast a little mm-hmm. bit more. And that is inductive study. Mm-hmm. Now, this is something that we actually do all of the time. What I really want to do is just help us to understand this thing that we're already doing. So mm-hmm. it's it's not necessarily, hey, let's take this like this academic kind of approach that we're just going to apply, like do this three-step process, yeah. <laughs> and that's how you understand things. No, we're really more just putting a name to the process that we already employ. Mm-hmm. We just don't do it consciously, right? Yeah. It's often broken down into a three-step process that's abbreviated OIA, which stands for observe, interpret, and apply. And we actually use this pattern of communicating all of the time. Mm -hmm. It's not just something that we use to like study the Bible, for example. This happens all the time in just everyday conversation. So let's say Isaac and I are having a conversation and Isaac asks me a question. And then at the conclusion of his question, he kind of looks at me and raises his eyebrow. (laughs) Right. So I observe Isaac's facial expression. Mm. Right. And I see his eyebrow is raised. He has kind of a, like one eye open a little bit more than the other, kind of a little smirk. And <laughs> Isaac's
1: making this face uh, right, right now. Yes, and that. he's kind of
0: shaking his head, right? So <laughs> these are the physical things that I'm actually observing <laughs> Isaac doing, right? Yeah. right? Then I go on to the second stage, which is interpreting. What does Isaac's raised eyebrow mean, mm. right? It looks <laughs> like, based on what I'm observing, that Isaac wants me to answer the question. Right. And then we move on to application. What am I going to do with this interpretation? Mm. How is it going to change the way that I act towards Isaac? For sure. I could answer his question. I could run away in terror. I could, you know, have any sort of response. (laughs) (laughs) I could just ignore him, right? There's lots of different potential applications, Mm. but I'm going to choose one and then apply that to Isaac, right? So that's just a really quick example of how this happens in, in communication. So this same process of communicating that we do all the time, can be applied towards our studying of God's word. Because God's word is just a written communication Mm. that we are using this process on, right? Sure. But if we actually understand formally what this process looks like, it allows us to make sure that we're taking the appropriate amount of time in each of these steps of the process. So the first step, observation. I think observation is actually kind of difficult. It's a little bit more difficult than you might think because very quickly... We want to jump straight to interpretation. Yeah. I think a lot of the reason for this is that most of the time, our observation is taking place subconsciously. Yeah. Right. It's so like in the example that I just used with Isaac, where he's looking at me expecting for me to answer his question, the way that I just described that right there, skipped right over the observation portion. Yes. I jumped straight to my interpretation. Yeah. Which I feel is self-evident. Yeah. It's obvious. Isaac wants me to answer his question. I don't even notice that his eyebrow is raised. Right. His eyebrow being raised just means answer my question. Answered. come on. Right. 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 Like we skip right over the observation portion. Yeah. And I think we do the same thing with scripture where oftentimes we jump straight to the interpretation of what this means rather than actually focusing on what are the words that this person Mm. is using in this story. Yeah. Mm. What is the genre of what I'm reading? Is this, a poem? Is it a letter to another person? Who yeah. is it written to? What is the grammar that's being used? What's the mood of this passage? Right. These things that we can observe, sometimes it's really easy for us to skip straight over that and jump to interpretation. Yeah. And I think one of the big reasons for that is... Familiarity. Mm-hmm. Like, I can skip over observing what Isaac's face looks like because I'm familiar with that facial expression. Right. I know what that means. Yeah. Right. I don't have to think about the actual mechanics of it to know what it means. Right. And we do the same thing with scripture. We go, sure. hey, I've read this passage a bazillion times. Uh-huh. So I know what it means. So right. I can jump straight to interpretation. Does that resonate with you guys? Is yeah. that something you feel like you do? Because I feel like I do this all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Totally. With scripture and, and like you're saying, with relationships, just like the example I used earlier, yeah. we, We assume we know what these things mean, because the more familiar we are with something, the more we take things for granted and think, well, I already know what that means. I don't need to observe it or think about it any more carefully.
0: Yeah. But some of these observations are really critical to understand before we get to the second step. Yeah. Like, let's take the genre one just as a specific example. Right. Sure. There are different genres in scripture. There is poetry. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Or Mm -hmm. there's Paul's letters, which are very literal letters to real actual churches from a person to another person, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe there's the law that was written down for the Jewish people. These are very different types of writings. Mm -hmm. And if we don't understand who it was written by and who it was written to and how it was written, the form that it was written in we may misinterpret a lot yeah. about scripture.
2: It's, it's multidimensional. You can't look at a poem and expect to get the same sort of content that you would get out of law that's mm. so black and white. Prose in a poem is the complete opposite of that. It's using flowery language to convey a point. When you look at the Bible and you look at it as a collection of books, and you kind of open up your mind to the whole genre aspect of it, it makes the relationship we have with God so much more beautiful in that it's not one dimension of a book of laws for us to strictly follow. It's God telling us, this is who I am in all of these different ways.
0: So that's definitely one thing that you could try if you're wanting to kind of figure out, all right, how can I study scripture on my own? Really take some time to focus just on this first step, Mm -hmm. this observation step. Pick a passage of scripture, however you want to pick it, and then observe these different things. Are there words that you're seeing repeated multiple times throughout a passage? Hmm. Maybe you're reading a psalm. Is there a refrain that's being repeated multiple times? What is the structure of this of Hmm. this passage? What is the genre? Is it a poem? Is it a song? If it's in the case of a psalm, perhaps. What is the mood of the mm-hmm. psalm? Is it is it dark? Is it lighthearted? Is it somewhere in between? Mm-hmm. These are all things that we can spend some time observing before we jump straight into interpretation. Yeah. The second step. So let's go ahead and go to interpretation. One of the important things that we need to know is that we also can't stay in observation forever. Mm-hmm. Like, observation is very important, and mm-hmm. it's something that we probably need to spend a little bit more time on. I, at least I certainly do. But we can't stay in it forever. We can't really say that we've studied the Bible if all that we've done is observe something. We go back to any of these previous examples. If I just observe <laughs> that Isaac's <laughs> eyebrow is raised, right. that doesn't, doesn't really do, do anything. me anything. a strictly observational relationship. Right, <laughs> great. Isaac's eyebrow is raised. Oh, interesting. And then like walk away. Like, but that doesn't... You're right. not
1: interacting but, with it at Exactly. All. I oh, have yeah. to
0: actually interact with the observation yeah. uh, that I've made. And so I have to start asking some additional questions. And that's a big part of interpretation. Asking sure. questions.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: What is Isaac doing? Moving on to why is Isaac doing it, right? Like why is his eyebrow raised? One of the things that is really tricky when we're trying to answer these questions is we don't always have the answers. It's one thing when I can definitively say why Isaac is making the face that he's making. But if Isaac looks disgusted by something and I don't necessarily know why, all of a sudden I need additional context, right? Right. And this is where a lot of what we were talking about earlier comes back into play and is actually really helpful and important. Sometimes we do need to get help. We need to understand things that we don't intrinsically have the answer to. So we don't necessarily want to ignore experts in in various things. We just also don't want to rely on them solely because there are lots of experts that have different opinions about different things. Mm. So going to different commentaries or different books about different passages and reading what other people say about these things can be really helpful to help us interpret something. Right. But we also need to interpret based on the observations we have made Sure. out of the text. If mm-hmm. we're just relying on what someone else said, I'm kind of relying on hearsay, right? Like, right. like if, if I didn't directly interpret Isaac's facial expression I'm just going off. Well, Kara said he looked kind of mad. <laughs> right. Like, well, maybe right. he didn't actually look mad. Maybe that was just what Kara thought he looked like. Yeah. But maybe she doesn't know him as well as I do. That's true. Maybe I understand that. No, that wasn't an Isaac being mad face. That was just an Isaac being confused <laughs> face. Every or, yeah,
2: every panel, <laughs> every
0: panel of experts you consult are all gonna come back with
2: different things. That can be maddening, yeah. and that's why it's dangerous to base your relationship off of only the expert viewpoints because yeah, none of the experts all come to the same conclusions. <laughs> right, you don't know which is mad thing, by the way. It oh, it's They just all agree. <laughs> yeah, doctor in front of your name, I expect you to get it. <laughs> <laughs> come
0: on. But I think it actually brings up another really important point, though, which is just because there are all these different interpretations, doesn't inherently mean that relativism is true. Right. Yeah. There may actually be a right answer. Sure. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's tempting to think, well, there's so many different ways of interpreting this verse, or this passage of scripture that that means there isn't a definitive way or a right way to interpret it right but that's not necessarily true that's a little bit of a logical leap that we'd like to make because it makes us feel more comfortable <laughs> and it kind of helps solve some conflict right. um but it's not necessarily true that right. just because there are differences of opinion mean that they're all equally valid
1: yeah right. that's a good point point.
0: one other thing that is really important with interpretation and something that i struggle with a bit is determining the point We can get down into observing all these little minutiae of which words are being used where and the structure and the mood and the genre and all these things. And then we start trying to interpret what all of that means. But I think it's also important to take a step back at times and go, okay, if I'm reading this passage as a whole, this whole psalm, say, what is the overarching point of this whole thing? Not (laughs) just what does this word or verse mean, but what is this author trying to get at as a whole? We know that that's not like news to us that context matters, mm-hmm. but in a like Twitter headline kind of yep, world, yep. it's really tempting to just jump at a sound bite and, right. and use that for whatever purpose we want to use it for instead yeah. of looking at something as a cohesive whole.
2: Are you telling me that people will take parts of the Bible? <laughs>
0: and use it for the while stop we basically even admitted this ourselves already right yeah Yeah. why we're saying like (laughs) i like reading certain parts of scripture more than others like sometimes though we lose the context of like well okay but how does the pentateuch how does deuteronomy like apply to our understanding of the new testament reason right so we have to make sure that we're looking at things holistically mm-hmm. as we're doing this mm-hmm. interpretation. Right. So the third step is application. I really like this definition of application that I read from an author named Peter Kroll. Application happens when we understand the meaning of a passage and conform our lives to it. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. And this, I would say, is the hardest part for me Yeah. of this three-step process. Observing is one thing. Interpreting, I love. <laughs> application is really hard because mm-hmm. I love insight.
4: Yeah. I get really
0: excited when I understand a concept in a new way. Yes. Whether it's from scripture or I read a book, wherever I get it from, I I hear it from a friend. Yep. I pick up on some new piece of insight and I go, I've never thought about it that (laughs) way before. That's fantastic. And it is fantastic. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But then I stop and I go, huh, cool. And then I go eat dinner and I play (laughs) video games. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I tend to do is I, I get really excited about the insight And then I move on.
4: Yeah. Yep.
0: To find another piece of insight, I guess. Like I just I keep want to keep finding new ideas because that's what excites me. Yeah. But that means that I'm leaving out this third part of the equation, this application, where (sighs) the meaning of a passage, the (laughs) insight that I gathered actually changes my life in some way. This is either my mind or my actions or my heart. Something about me changes because of what I read.
4: Yep.
2: Yes. This,
0: this is so counter
2: to my personality. I, I feel know. like, but at the same time, I always love it in the Bible where Jesus like spanks his disciples, and he's like, <laughs> "No." <you're wrong." laughs> You need to be doing it this way. I'm like, yeah, tell him, dude. Yeah, they need to be (laughs) doing it. But then I look at my own life and I'm like, well, I'm not giving my neighbor my shirt off my back. And I'm not doing this, that and the other thing. And I'm holding crutches. And then once you kind of turn it back on yourself and you look at the Bible, not from an academic standpoint, but really the application side where you go, Mm -hmm. okay, Jesus is getting on to his homies right now what am I doing that is comparable to that? Right. Uh, Probably a lot
0: more than we'd like to. Right.
2: Exactly. Yeah. We would all Mm -hmm. walk over the guy on the side of the road. The the, Samaritan. The uh, the Samaritan. uh, Yeah. Yeah. We would not be this. I would not be the Samaritan. Nine times out of ten. Mm -hmm. I can say that.
1: Same. And I think back to the example of, I mean, I I know I keep going back to this, but I keep thinking about it in context of like a relationship. If Mm -hmm. you, if someone comes to you, and you're like, oh yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, I'm observing what you're saying. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm here's, am I interpreting this correctly? Here's what yeah. I'm hearing you say. Here's what say. I hear you say.
0: Is that right? And they is say, that yeah, right? yeah, it is. Yeah,
1: that's right. And you get to that point and go, oh, interesting. And then you turn and walk away. <laughs> yeah. Like right. what a letdown. Like yeah. the point is interesting. Okay, now I'm going to take that information.
0: Right. What are you going to do with it? And yeah.
1: change my behavior somehow in a way that shows I love you or I care about you or I right. hear if I really hear what you're saying and understand it it should change my behavior right? right
0: right and i think insight can get in the way of application in other ways too like for example have you ever felt disappointed after reading a passage of scripture because nothing new or fantastic occurred to you <laughs> right like I, this happens Ouch. to me all the time like i'm like okay i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to read scripture i'm going to do what i'm supposed to do yeah. right and god's going to reveal some great new truth to me yeah. that's right. right and i'm going to read this and so i read the passage and i go like okay yeah no that's that's about what i remembered that's <laughs> right. <laughs> So like, I thought I didn't get this like, new kernel of insight, right? So yes. now what am I going to do? Like, mm. if we're just chasing the knowledge, the insight, the, the warm splash over my heart that I get <laughs> when I learn something new, <laughs> like, then that's not always going to happen. Yes, right? That's true. And it really isn't that useful, even if it does happen unless we're actually applying it. So mm. actually conforming our lives or changing our lives in some meaningful way is what has to happen with application. It's change. And I think one thing that's really hard about this and sometimes why we shy away from this Mm -hmm. is because we recognize we're supposed to be growing and changing. Mm. But often we feel like we're not changing or growing enough. Right. Right. Like I keep struggling with the same thing over and over and over again. And I know what scripture says about it. And I know I'm not Mm. supposed to do that thing. And yet I keep doing it. Scripture says, do not fear. Right. Well, guess what? I'm super fearful and afraid (laughs) all the time. And I know it says, do not fear. And I keep reading it say, do not fear. And yet it's not changing. I'm still afraid. Right? right. So this is stupid and I give up, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes we can have that attitude because yeah. we feel like that change isn't happening fast yeah. enough. But we've even talked about on this very podcast, Kara even brought it up one time for one of her segments, this joy that you can get when you are able to look back on your past and go wow, actually in the context of the last 10 years, I have changed a lot. Right. Like, yeah. I have grown a lot. Yeah, If I just take the time to kind of look and see where I've come from. Yeah, But sometimes mm-hmm. that change is hard to see. Yeah, And so sometimes maybe we're doing a little bit better job of applying something than we yeah. give ourselves credit for. Well, <laughs> like, I would, does that make sense? Like, uh-huh. <laughs> sometimes I sometimes say we change that, when we don't even realize it.
2: If yeah. you're frustrated with your lack of growth or perceived lack of growth, that just means you're examining yourself and that means you've probably come a little bit mm. further than you think, That's right? Interesting. That's like yeah. hating the process of growth, I think, is is natural, <laughs> but we do it. It hurts. It, it hurts. <laughs> it's pain. We have pain aversion and yeah. growth is all pain. Yeah.
0: And if we're trying to identify whether or not this growth has taken place, there's two directions of growth, inward or outward growth. The best way to kind of think about this is the golden rule. We're taught that the most important things are learning to love God with all of our heart, Mm -hmm. and learning to love others. These are the two directions we can grow in. We can grow in our love for God, or we can grow in our love for others. But I think it's important to make sure that we're getting to this third and final step. Because without it, the first two don't do us a whole lot of good. So. Just to recap, kind of where we've landed the plane on this, because we probably need to stop talking. Going back to my uh, shutting up uh, goal. Three things I think that we can kind of conclude from this: without good observation, we don't have a foundation for the rest of this. Right. We can have really good intentions when it comes to studying the Bible, and we can get things very wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's why observation really, really matters. If we don't take the time to observe ourselves. If we get the premise wrong, our conclusion could be way off base, even with really good intentions. So Mm -hmm. good intentions Mm -hmm. aren't enough. We have to have good observation. The second, without good interpretation, we might not actually know whether what we believe is biblical or not, because we haven't taken the time to really fully interpret the things that we've observed. Mm -hmm. And that's why going to other expert opinions is really important. But why also doing some of our own investigative work and yeah. interpreting what we're reading on our own is really important, mm. uh, because otherwise we might not really be sure of, of what we believe and whether it really truly lines up with the author's intent and with God's intent when it comes yeah. to his word. Yeah. And then third application, it's all too easy for me to give lip service to Christ, but have my heart be far from him.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and honestly, that like grieves me to even say, but mm. it's it's true. Yeah. There are times where I can give a lot of good lip service to the things that I'm doing or not doing, or even studying Scripture, for example. Yeah. But ultimately, I don't see the heart change that ought to be resulting from my application yeah. of my study of mm-hmm. God's Word, mm-hmm. and so the ultimate goal is for god to make us more like jesus right Mm -hmm. and our study of his word is one of the ways he accomplishes that purpose
2: and i think that for those of us that have grown up in the church like the three of us in this room if there's part of this where we've talked about how it becomes wallpaper and i think this third step the application step if we've heard it our whole lives it's kind of built into the recipe here that okay well Jesus is good we do our best to follow and it's it's all good and it's kind of like this wink and a nod where it's like yep be more like Jesus and then that's kind of the extent that we take it is we Mm. know exactly what to say we can recite verses that we memorized in Iwana's. shout out to Iwanas. um (laughs) But I have had multiple times this reality check where it hits me like a truck. Oh, dude, I am not behaving like Jesus at all. Mm -hmm. It's even worse because I've known what I should be doing. And Mm -hmm. I want to encourage you, if that's where you're at, that's okay. That's part of that growth thing again. Mm -hmm. That (laughs) means like, okay, here's kind of like this checkpoint of growth. Like, okay, you've realized that it's easy to take a defeatist mentality there. Mm It's like, well, okay, I'm living in grace. I'm just going to keep going. But to me, that's that red flag of, okay, more progress can be made here. This is where it starts. Mm.
0: One final point that I think we have to make with all of this is if you're going to try to incorporate some of these tools that we've talked about today, you have to be okay with not getting it right every time. This is not something that you're just going to be an expert at overnight or ever. And it's important to remind people, like we said earlier, that there's nothing magical about this like formula or something. If you just follow this three-step process, you'll just understand everything. Hopefully, these are tools that we can all use to study and understand scripture better, Mm -hmm. while also at the same time realizing that at the very end of the day we will only be successful in our studying of scripture with God's help. Right. It's it's not up to us to apply a magic formula and then we figure it out. It's God and the Holy spirit that lives in us, that helps us as we endeavor to study the Bible. Well, using tools is great. And these are some tools that we can use, uh, but we're not going to be successful. If all we do is think, all right, I have the formula, apply the formula and everything comes up, (laughs) comes up great. That's just, that's just not how it works.
1: Our job is to show up and God's job is to transform. And that's, that's what he says he'll do. That's the point of getting into the word is that it does a work on us that we don't completely understand. And Mm -hmm. as long as we're showing up willingly and saying, God, I'm, I need help. I don't understand good. (laughs) (laughs) Like
2: (laughs) I really need
1: your help. I'm messed up. Then that, that goes a long way towards the goal.
0: As we were preparing for this podcast, one of the uh, phrases that we used to describe kind of what we were getting at was that we really want to help people by sharing a method for those of us who can't read scripture good, but <laughs> want to learn to read scripture good and do other stuff good too. Yep. <laughs> and I, I feel like that really encapsulates where I'm at on this. Yeah, It's not about being an expert or like having everything figured out. Yeah. It's here's a few tools that you can use to help you apply God's. God's word or grow in God's word in your life. Yeah. And it's not going to be smooth sailing all the time. Yeah. And I think one final thought that I would kind of leave you with is start with prayer. Yep. Yeah. God will help us with this when we ask. And that's a really good place to start saying, God, I don't get a lot of this, and I'm going to do my best to be faithful to reading your word as you've asked me to do. Right. Yeah. But ultimately, I'm relying on you to reveal who you are to me. Yeah. And I trust that you're big enough to do that, even when I'm not.
1: Thanks for listening to the Real Talk Podcast from Real FM. Catch Afternoons with Anson and Kara live every weekday on Real FM Radio. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent or reflect the views of John Brown University, KLRC Radio, or Real FM.